yo, it's about that time to bring forth the rhythm and the rhyme. Tonight on T Watches a Scary Movie, we are talking about the After Dark Horror Fest. We got four great movies to talk to y'all about tonight, so stay tuned. This is T Watches a Scary Movie. everybody welcome to the show my name is t and we're talking scary movies i appreciate y'all tuning in for another brand new episode remember new episodes go up every wednesday night the audio version is available at 8 p.m on all your favorite podcasting platforms including uh itunes and podbean spotify Amazon Music, all that good stuff. Everywhere you can find your podcast, we're available there at 8 p.m. Wednesday nights. And then the video version, if you're watching me right now, is available on our YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. You look over there, I got the link posted right there for you in case you couldn't understand what I'm saying. Uh, the video version of our episodes go up 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time every Wednesday night. So make sure you are uh, subscribing to the channel so you can be aware of uh, the new episodes going up and getting the chance to actually tune in and watch or listen with us. Uh, so what do we have going on this week? This week has been, uh, it's been fun because I've, uh, I've had a lot of fun on Twitter lately, and y'all can see my Twitter handle, AxDew, over there as well, too. Uh, I mentioned, uh, I think either last week or the week before, how I joined a new community on Twitter. Community is like, kind of like a, uh, an easier place to talk with everybody. It's uh, having so much fun getting to talk with all these horror fans in there as well too and one of the things that came across my attention um by and he's gonna hate me if i mess it up because elliot mcguire uh posted about this really really fun tracking uh tracking keeper or track book whatever you want to call it here called 365 days of horror basically it is a book to where they have it set up for entries over an entire month for you to keep track of what you're watching and a rating with that as well. And again, you know, we could do that on your computer. You could do that on a simple notepad, but why not have some fun with that? This guy was available for $9.99 on Amazon. I picked it up and my very first entry was the movie Unrest, which is a part of, as you can see here, don't have a rating in there just yet, but, uh, uh, it's one of the films of the After Dark Horror uh, Horror Fest now that I was watching to review for y'all. And uh, there's going to be more that's going in, but it's a really interesting concept because the idea is, is that it's 365 days of movies. So the whole idea here is that you got to watch a new movie 
every single day or watch any horror movie every single day. And I've seen a lot of horror movies, but there's still a lot, 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 lot more that I have not seen. So I'm going to take this as a challenge among myself to watch 365 new horror movies from uh, yesterday when I began, which was uh, April 11th up until next year, uh, last day, which would be April 10th of 2023. So we're going to see if we can do it. I'm going to keep y'all updated with it as I go through as well, too. Um, I actually recorded a little video about watching Unrest last night. And I'm going to try to do this, and I'm going to compile that into uh, a fun little video for y'all to all catch next year here and see how we're doing 365 days of movies. So hopefully y'all will enjoy and watch these with me. I will keep you in the loop about what movie I am checking out. Some of these will actually be featured on the show uh, because that's the only way I can really do it. Cause like I got to watch the movies for the show as well, but some of these will be featured on episodes of the show itself, but there'll be a big video in a year's time here to cover everything. So keep up. I'll make sure to list them here as I go through. So that was a big thing this week. Uh, we also got announcements about a couple of other new properties that are being developed in the horror world, including a movie based on Spirit Halloween. If you're not familiar with Spirit Halloween, those are those fantastic Halloween shops that pop up around late August every year until early November that usually take over like an old errands or a Dollar Tree or something like that. And they own it for, you know, about three months selling all the cool Halloween merchandise. And somebody has finally wisened up and decided to option that to make it a horror movie starring Christopher Lloyd and Rachel Lee Cook, which actually sounds pretty perfect because they said the premise of this is that a group of kids are going to get locked inside a spirit Halloween and that basically everything starts coming alive while they're in there. Now, we don't know if this is going to be like a teen horror movie where nobody really gets hurt or killed or anything like that, or if this is going to be a more adult one where there is real danger actually going on, like is it going to be actually R-rated? But I'm stoked for it because if you've ever been in a spirit Halloween, I know it's corporate and everything, and we always say go to like the, uh, the mom and pop stores and things like that, but they are so much fun. And if you ignore all their license shit, because they have a lot of stuff for, you know, Freddy and Jason and Ghostface and Chucky and so on. But they also have their own inventions of, you know, random clowns and monsters and demons and things like that, too. Which if you've seen those large animatronics and robots and all that kind of shit you put out in your lawn in there, that shit is creepy as hell. So the fact that some of those things might be coming alive and hunting kids down... I am about it. And not only that, but it's apparently set in a store that's in a mall. It's been forever since I've been in a spirit Halloween that was actually inside a mall. I fucking love malls because I'm a child of the 90s and malls aren't really a big thing anymore. Um, and Fear Street last year really, really uh, brought back that love of 90s style malls. So if that's the idea here. I'm 100% on board with that. Make it happen amped to see where this movie could go but i really do think we'll actually get some licensed properties in there because it's what everybody like trying to do this whole multiverse thing these days and trying to like be like marvel and have this kind of environment set up and everything um horror doesn't really have one of those you know we don't really get a lot of crossovers with a lot of horror properties uh you know we have freddie and jason and they've done that a couple of times between the movie and jason goes to hell uh this past halloween actually we had some uh, michael myers and chucky crossovers because halloween kills was coming out and the chucky tv series was debuting so usa ran a few ads with chucky and michael myers together which is really cool but ultimately we don't get a lot of crossovers and spirit halloween uses a lot 
of licensed properties in their stores. So crossing my fingers, this could end up being the return of Jason Voorhees to the big screen because we haven't seen Jason on the big screen in forever. So if they can spend that money, they can get it worked out with a Victor, Victor Miller and, um, and uh, Sean Cunningham to get that all figured out there. Praying to God, praying to God, they get that figured out so he can appear. And not only that, it was also announced that Amazon Prime, I believe, is currently, no, no, not Prime, uh, Peacock, Peacock, is currently developing a, uh, a horror series based on Casper the Friendly Ghost. And not only that, because the wording of it uh, was very interesting. Um, they basically said this was going to be about Casper helping a new family that moves into his home, investigate a lot of shit that's going on in their home and around the town. But a lot of the wording made it seem that this might be the same Casper that was featured in the 90s movie with uh, Christina Ricci and Devin Sawa and Bill Pullman. And that would be cool as hell because we technically did get a series with that. If you remember, um, we had the main movie that came out in 90, 96, I think it was 96. And then they gave us... Uh, they gave us two more movies that were both direct-to-video. We had Casper, A Spirited Beginning, which had the kid from... Um, Oh, God, what the hell is he in? Was he in the Power Rangers movie? He might have been in Power Rangers the movie, uh, and he was in a film called Joey. I forget the kid's name. And that was a prequel. It had Steve Gutenberg in it, too, I think, actually. Uh, and that was a prequel, I, I, if I remember, about Casper actually getting to the house in the first place. And then they made a sequel called Casper and Wendy that had Hilary Duff as Wendy the Witch. Uh, didn't see that one, but they did do a bit of a franchise with it. But the idea of bringing Casper back and actually pushing the horror in it is a really cool idea because Casper's never been about that. Casper has always been very much a kid-friendly franchise. Uh, between the old cartoons, the newer cartoons, all the live-action stuff, uh, Casper's always been very, very kid and family-friendly. So the idea that they actually might push some horror into this is a really, really cool concept that I would love to see because it's kind of ripe for that right now. So we'll see. There's been nothing else announced about it yet. Scripture being written, uh, the property's moving along. Hopefully, you know, in the coming months, especially around like October, we get more information about it. But I'm crossing my fingers. This means we might get something made for kids now being pushed to uh, our age group now. So we'll see how that works. So our main story tonight, we are gonna be talking the After Dark Horror Fest. If you haven't heard about this, back in 2006, uh, this company called After Dark Films basically put on this horror film festival. It was an annual film festival to where they picked up a bunch of independent horror movies every year and they marketed them under this title, uh, the After Dark Horror Fest. Now, they did, if I can recall correctly, they did 2006. They did 07 for sure as well too. Uh, they did 08 and then they stopped for a bit because I think they uh, they skipped a couple of years and then they skipped more years. Because I think in total, there's been five of them. I think it's 2006, 2007, 2008, and then two more recent ones. Now, full, full honesty here, I watched most of the films in uh, the first two years, 06 and 07, because I worked at Blockbuster Video at the time and you know having free access to rent anything that you want to seeing a lot of these movies come in i was super interested in 
in them. I, I just wanted to see what the hell they were about, all the fun stuff with them. And there were some really, really good ones in there. There were also some not so great ones uh, in it as well, too. Some of these I'm going to end up seeing uh, and I'm going to be reminded about some not so good ones. But I really thought, man, like I'm trying to up the new horror that I'm seeing this year. And this is a great way for me to get a lot more new horror that I just skipped past because a lot of these films got really, really good reviews and really good word of mouth, you know, 15 years ago. So it's time to check these out again. So in year one, we had eight films. We're only going to do four tonight because the other four we're going to do uh, at the end of May or it's early June. I forget when. Uh, so those eight films were The Abandoned, Dark Ride, uh, The Grave Dancers, the Hamiltons, which are going to be the four that I'm talking about tonight. And then also there was Penny Dreadful, Reincarnation, Unrest, and Wicked Little Things. Unrest, of course, first movie that uh, I said I watched here as a part of this. We're going to see a lot more of those join up this one as well, too, though. So, like I said, we're going to focus on these first four. And because it was a film festival, I'm going to try, I guess, to approach this. These are very much going to be mini reviews here because there's a lot of movies to talk about here. And I don't have that much time to actually do it. So we're going to jump right in. Now, out of these first four that I watched, uh, The Abandoned, Dark Ride, Grave Dancers, and The Hamiltons, without question, I got to say that my favorite was The Abandoned. The Abandoned told this story about this woman and this random man who end up coming together in Russia as they're trying to find out their family history. Both these two were, uh, hence the name, Abandoned, basically. Uh, they were put up for adoption, and they don't know much about their families at all. So they found some information uh, that led them back to Russia about their mother that they're trying to investigate, and they soon find out that sometimes it's better to keep secrets buried. Now, keep in mind, we're past the 10-year rule, so a lot of these, there's going to be spoilers across all of this, okay? So please do not listen. Please don't watch if you're trying to avoid spoilers because my 10-year rule here doesn't exist because these were all released over well over 10 years ago. Uh, the Abandoned was probably the one that I avoided the most out of year one because there's certain kind of horror that I know for a fact I like. Dark Rye is a slasher. Grave Dancers is like a demonic entity kind of movie. And The Hamiltons is a vampire film. All three things that I fuck with. All things that I love watching endless amount of movies about. But The Abandoned, I couldn't tell anything about it at all. And, you know, even reading the back of it, it wasn't clear what it was about. Like, some of it seemed like it might be a ghost story. Some of it might seem like it was uh, like some kind of like French or Italian kind of giallo horror. And at the time, that didn't really interest my my horror taste in the least bit. So that was the one I was definitely trying to avoid, um, uh, like above everything else. I didn't see it. I saw the Grave Dancers back then, um, and I saw uh, uh, the the Hamiltons as well too. I did not see the Abandoned though, and it's crazy to think that this was my favorite movie out of these four. The story itself uh, started off incredibly complicated and I found myself losing interest. And maybe that's just because um, the cast themselves, while really good as we get further into the movie, they didn't give them much to do in the early part of this film. Uh, Marie Jones, and, or excuse me, uh, Anastasia Hilly and uh, Carl Roden, who you might recognize from like uh, Hellboy and a bunch of other shit now too, um, play our leads here. They play Nick, uh, Marie and Nikolai and they are a long lost brother and sister who again reunite in Russia to find out more information about their family, specifically their mother. And 
Uh, once they get there, the two of them find out that they're being haunted or hunted by some otherworldly presence. They find out that they have doppelgangers that are there at this house that are uh, presumably trying to kill them and they can't seem to escape their surroundings. And the film actually starts getting more and more intense uh, after we get all that information. Because then at that point, the story really focuses on Marie and Nikolai trying to figure out why are they being haunted? Why is this house constantly like uh, reinventing itself? Because when they get to their uh, get to this house at first, it's dilapidated. Uh, it's just it's crumbling. It's torn apart. It's just in the worst condition humanly possible. But then as the movie keeps going on and on and on, the house begins to slowly start fixing itself up. Cracks start disappearing. Paint starts uh, looking brand new and fresh again. Uh, boards and like uh, cupboards and things that were knocked down are instantly going back up to their original positions. All the while, uh, Marie and Nikolai are trying to keep themselves safe and try not to, you know, get killed by their doppelgangers that are there. And we start to find out more of their history about the reason why they don't know that much about their family and hence the name abandoned they start to realize that not knowing that history was actually a blessing in disguise because there's a dark history involved with their family and i absolutely loved it because as the film kept going on and we get past like the opening 20 25 minutes or so it actually becomes really really fast paced and really really suspenseful at that point because you find out that marie and nikolai can't hurt their doppelgangers without hurting themselves anything they do to them ends up happening to themselves because again they are their doppelgangers so it's this cat and mouse game about the two of them trying to keep safe and find out more about themselves while having no visible way to fight these adversaries and as they start finding out more and more and more the situation starts becoming that much more terrifying for them because they're trying desperately to find a way to escape their predicament because they find out that they only have a limited amount of time in this house basically this house is trying to recreate their childhood and make things right and what that means is is that the two of them can't make it out of that house so watching nikolai and marie trying to outsmart everything going on around them and trying to find a smart way to fight back and find a way to protect themselves actually got to be really really thrilling and they make a good decision about a little more than halfway through to focus just on one of our protagonists at that point and that kind of feeds more into the loss that both of these characters are feeling because hence the name the abandoned it's very much about not knowing where you come from about not having any kind of familiar bonds at all and that gets even worse as the film goes on there because one of these main characters is pretty much left on their own to where they get to experience these feelings of abandonment all again now in terms of like actual scares and everything remember we we've talked about it a few times on this show that a movie being scary doesn't necessarily make it good or bad that's not really a way to judge a horror movie and i know that seems redundant it's a horror movie it's supposed to scare you but i think that's a stupid way to kind of look at things I, re I really really do and i didn't find myself being scared too much by this hard to say back in 2006 whether it would have scared me but that's also okay because i definitely was feeling like again as it kept going and getting more fast paced i was feeling the suspense i was feeling the thrills that were coming out of it the acting is incredibly strong i really really enjoyed again our two leads and our eventual um our eventual antagonist uh 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 koya uh played by uh valentine ganev 
is uh, phenomenal in his role as well, too, because he is chilling. When you start to realize the backstory of Marie and Nikolai's family, he is a truly chilling villain. And I love the motivations that have gone across time to get a hold of Marie and Nikolai. That, that, that helped submit my liking of this movie was that the antagonist was just as interesting as our protagonist in the film. Now, it is a bit of a bloody film, honestly. Like, I don't mean like the gore is super high, but there is a lot of blood featured in it. And it does, uh, it, it does have some rather brutal scenes uh, talking about kids and like the shit that can happen to kids in a bad home and everything as well. And I think that's going to bring a lot of terror to a lot of you who decide to check this movie out for sure. But even with all of that, uh, it was hard to not have this become a favorite. Like, I actually really enjoyed this movie. I really think this is one I might end up going back to every year out of the entire year one films because I haven't revisited a lot of the year one or year two films in the last 15 years or so. And this is one that I like so much. This actually might be something that I end up watching on a yearly basis. That's how good it really, really was. Now, keep in mind though, there are only two protagonists in this film. So there's only so many people who could potentially get killed or disappear in this movie. So if you like your horror films beefy with a big cast, this is not the one for you. You're not going to get what you want out of this movie here. But what I will tell you, though, is that our two leads and our antagonists are more than enough to keep your interest for its short runtime. Because it's not actually a long movie. It's only 94 minutes long, which I say short. I know that's an hour and a half, but the movie really doesn't get started until about 20, 25 minutes. And so it really ends up being just a bit over an hour, in my opinion, there. Uh, but it's a really, really good one and a great way to start off this marathon. So that's The Abandoned. Check that out if you get a chance. I guarantee you can get a DVD copy of it for $5 or less. I know I did. Uh, pick it up. These are not available on Blu-ray. Some of them are available on streaming. So that's The Abandoned. Film number two, Dark Ride. Dark Ride. This one was the one I was looking the most forward to checking out just because it's a slasher and y'all know me i fucking love my slasher movies no doubt there is no better horror for it to me at least that there there's no better than a good slasher flick and not only that the premise of dark ride is about a serial killer who uh operates out of an amusement park or specifically a specific ride at an amusement park um and uh, this very much is reminiscent of films like Hellfest and Haunt, if you've seen those. And I get it. Both those movies came out long after Dark Ride came out. So who's to say that either of those might have been influenced by Dark Ride or just something completely original. But it's definitely those films on a, uh, on a smaller basis when compared to something like Hellfest. But on the same level ground with something like Haunt. We get introduced to these two girls who decide to go and check out the name of the movie, The Dark Ride, and one of them who loves scary stuff and wants to do all the cool things, and the other girl who absolutely is just freaked out beyond recognition and doesn't want to get it, but she does it to make her sister happy. And they get on this ride, and then they are hunted by a serial killer uh, who kills one of the girls and uh, tortures the other one. And then we fast forward to 10 years later to where a new set of friends are getting set to go on spring break, and while they're attend like going out and driving, making their way uh, on a road trip, they find out that, hey, Dark Ride has reopened and we absolutely have to check it out. 
It's a legendary place. There were murders there. It's actually haunted. And these group of friends are actually going to go and see it. And of course, exactly what you think happens, happens at that case to where, hey, guess what? The serial killer who was there 10 years ago, who ended up getting sent to a mental institution is back and he's not done killing yet. So can our characters escape? Now, what is interesting about this is that I actually feel it's a likable group of characters. I really, really do enjoy the movie Haunt a lot, but I'd be lying if I said I enjoyed like that entire group. To be honest, I disliked a lot of the characters in Haunt, not to where I felt they deserved the shit that was happening to them, but they put a lot of assholes in the movie and when you uh, overpopulate the movie with assholes, it makes it really hard to get in and back those characters when bad shit is happening to them. Uh, and compared to Hellfest, where the characters are a little bit more likable, this found itself kind of right smack dab in between those two movies. Because honestly, most of the cast is really, really likable. You got Jamie Lynn Siegler from uh, The Sopranos and Entourage playing our main character, Kathy. Uh, you have Patrick Renna, who you might know from Big Green or The Sandlot, uh, playing Bill, uh, the you know the geek or the nerd of the group. You also have a uh, typical, typical bro, uh, 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 Jim played by Alex Solowitz, who you've seen in plenty of stuff there before. And the cast actually being likable helps sell this because that's the one thing that we know about horror is that horror is more effective when you like the people who are getting hunted and killed because that makes it scarier. That makes it harder to work its way through. And I do feel the dark ride has a really likable cast going for it. Now, in terms of the actual scares and the actual tension, it could have been a lot better than what it was um some of the kills are done off screen so we only see the aftermath of what actually ended up happening and some of them are very uh they're, they they end up looking a little bit on the cheesy side as well too now we have to give a bit of a pass for things like that because they're an independent film you know they don't necessarily have the budget of these bigger horror flicks that are coming out but at the same time, there's good and bad ways to do a lot of things that we're going to see in horror movies like this. I enjoy the killer. I don't need backstories a lot of times for our serial killers. Um, I've talked about it on the show before that I really enjoy movies like Slumber Party Massacre because it's like, look, that's the killer. There's no motivation. He's just fucking killing girls at that point. End of story. And I like that a lot about Dark Ride, that this killer, there wasn't really a motivation behind what this guy was doing. He was just doing it to do it. And the eventual twist that goes with it actually works. It actually works extremely well. I'm not saying that uh, it, that it makes a lot of sense because it does kind of seem like it's coming completely out of left field. But considering, uh, without spoiling it, because I, I know I said there'd be spoilers, but at the same time, I'm trying to kind of like make sure I don't hit too many deep ones there. But like the beginning of the movie where the first set of victims are twin girls, that kind of plays into the end of the movie as well too, which is about a big of a spoiler that I'll give you. You can probably kind of figure out where I'm going with this here. Um, but I didn't mind the motivation of the, uh, of the killer because he didn't have a motivation. He was just there killing people because he's fucking insane. And that's all you need sometimes. Like, hey, you went to a place that you absolutely should not have gone to. People have been fucking killed there before. What are you doing tempting the fates? Don't do it. That's why I don't go to haunted places. Because you're tempting the fates. Like, is it real? Is it not? Who the fuck cares? Why are you going to play that game like something could actually happen and fuck your shit up, you know? So I like the fact they didn't focus too much on that. 
Um, I also enjoyed the fact, too, though, that uh, some of the characters, like, to me, had a realistic reaction to serial killers hunting them. Because if you watch movies like Scream and I don't I Know What You Did Last Summer and Valentine and Urban Legend, all great movies, by the way. Love all those movies. Um, yeah, I Know What You Did Last Summer is kind of iffy, but uh, they're all fun movies, though. Um, the thing is, is that I've talked about very regularly about how people react in situations like that, or at least how kids really would react given if they were in a situation like that. And... I thought that the writing of this, which is written by the director, Craig, uh, Craig Singer and Robert uh, Dean Klein, did a great job of really showing how uh, kids would really deal with this kind of issue if they were really in it. If you're really being hunted by a serial killer, what would you do in this situation? Um, it is bloody. The, the Some of these kills are very much over the top, and I love them. I absolutely love uh, some of the kills in here as well, too. Uh, the Hitchhiker, uh, Jen, I think it was. Best kill. Best kill, hands down, in this movie. Um, now, to, to say that, like, is it as good as a lot of these other slashers that we've seen? No, it, it's not. I, I couldn't say that I'd even put it on any kind of comparison to a Scream or, you know, a Valentine or anything like that. No, it's not. But it's a perfectly serviceable one that I feel actually does fit in with our old school 70s and 80s slashers like Prom Night, like Slumber Party Massacre, like, uh, you know, uh, When a Stranger Calls, films like that. I feel this actually would have fit so much perfectly with those if it was made like 20 years before it actually was. Again, not a problem. I still like the movie for sure, but you can see to where it would have fit in a much different era than it did back in 2006. Uh, and it's always good to see Patrick Renna and everything. He's fantastic. I, I think that kid, that is, that is the dude who just loves acting. And like, he knows, he knows what he's good at. He knows the projects to pick specifically out for himself. And he does good in everything he's in. He really does, honestly. Um, and it, it, it's the same guy, same guy from the Sandlot, man, which is so much fun. So much fun to see that. All right. Uh, and so that leaves us here with the Grave Dancers. Now, the Grave Dancers talks about a group of friends who, while mourning a friend who recently passed, find a random note on her gravesite that basically tells them to be joyous and dance upon the graves of those that was lost. It's a way to honor them. But we soon find out that that's never a smart idea because by dancing on somebody's grave, you invoke these evil spirits who are now looking for revenge. Uh, and that's where the Grave Dancers really takes off. Now, first of all, Grave Dancers does have a, a really good cast in it as well, too. You know, you have Dominic Purcell, who you might know from Legends of Tomorrow or Bloody Trinity or uh, Primeval. Awesome fucking crocodile movie. Or is it the alligator movie? I always forget. Uh, awesome fucking movie there. Uh, you have Claire Kramer from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Bring It On, amongst other things. And then you have uh, Cheeky Cayo who you might know from things like The Patriot or Bad Boys as well. And I really enjoyed the grouping of this cast because I feel that a lot of them were getting to play roles that we typically would never really see them in. Like Dominic Purcell uh, for a while was just playing like, uh, like the big meaty buff guy in a lot of films he was doing. It was there to be tough. Um, or they have him playing like characters who don't get to speak that much. They don't get a lot of lines. Like if you watch Blade Trinity or you watch Legends of Tomorrow, it took them a while in Legends of Tomorrow to make his character Heatwave, Mick Rory, uh, an actual interesting character. He was never bad. They just didn't give him a lot to do in that show. And like Claire Kramer, who we're used to seeing play 
bad guys in a lot of stuff she does, getting a chance to play, you know, a protagonist this time, and an interesting one at that as well, who's caught in a bit of a weird situation with her husband, played by Dominic Purcell, um, and his uh, and his ex, uh, Kira, played by Josie Mar uh, Moran. So really, really good cast that, that seems to work really well together. The scares themselves, they do a good job because the imagery of the demons themselves is fucking frightening. And it's weird that Claire Kramer, I mentioned the Buffy thing, is in this because the image of the demons looked very similar to the gentleman. If you remember that episode, Hush of Buffy, the one where everybody lost their voice and these monsters are going around cutting out hearts and things like that. The demons and the grave dancers look very, very similar to the gentleman in that episode hush uh, and if you haven't seen it watch it. it's a fantastic episode almost no dialogue throughout the entire thing so so good very terrifying episode which is crazy to say about the vampire slayer but that's something that this movie did a really good job with is that they they did make their demons terrifying which works out really well because the scares themselves like um uh, like the jump scares stuff don't work that well in my opinion but that's okay because the monsters themselves are creepy as fuck now this movie, unfortunately, has the same kind of problem that The Abandoned did. And it depends on what you consider to be a problem. We're dealing with a group of friends and one of those friends' wife, which is a group of four. Um, and eventually they're joined by some paranormal investigators. But the problem is that the body count can't really be that high because we don't have a lot of people to work with. Like even Dark Rye, you know, it's very clear that we're going to kill off the majority of these characters because it's a slasher flick. This is not a slasher flick, and usually these movies work differently to where you don't really have a big body count because it's about demonic, eh, not necessarily demonic possession, but like the demonic haunting, I guess is the way that you would say it. And um, there's not that many kills in the movie itself, and that's okay. That's okay because the ones that do happen are really fucked up. Somebody gets uh, burnt alive terribly. Uh, somebody else gets their uh, throat slashed by a piece of glass. Like, it is a, like, they really do punish the, these characters in this movie for sure. And it makes sense. Like, the punishment actually kind of fits. Because while we feel sympathetic for these characters, it's like, why would you dance on somebody's grave? That's invoking evil spirits to hunt you down at that point. Um, and ultimately, I love the fact that uh, realistically, there there's no way to fight this. There's no way... To really, uh, to really close this out here, like they, they, like they find out the way, but they don't find it out to the end of the movie, and I really enjoy that because it shows that they were trying their hardest to stop all this from happening, and everything else they were doing was just failing and failing and failing, and even the paranormal investigators don't really believe them with what they say is going on until shit starts getting even crazier, which we've seen in a number of different movies, like take Insidious for example, uh, which is weird, it's kind of a lot like Insidious, um, but. Uh, I think they did the pro this premise on a on a smaller budget compared to movies like Insidious, like really, really well done. As I mentioned, this was my favorite of the year one films prior to seeing The Abandoned. And it's definitely still a strong number two because once it picks up, it gets really, really good, honestly. Um, I could have actually, I wish there was one more friend because I think one more death would have really like kept this one here in the first place position compared to the abandoned honestly but i really did enjoy what uh what i did get it's just like the abandoned there's such a slow start to it um it gets really interesting once shit gets going but the start of it's just not that interesting and the last film that i'm going to talk about uh tonight here is dark uh, i said dark right already when i say dark right the hamiltons the hamilton 
The Hamiltons tells the story of what seems to be a mild manner family that is forced to move from town to town to town because they're keeping a dark secret. And we soon find out that dark secret is that this family is comprised of vampires. Now, the cool thing about this is that these are not vampires compared to what we've seen in other mediums, which I really enjoy. I love the fact that there are like a, a couple things that you might get from like uh, uh, from like movie to movie, tale to tale, show to show, whatever about vampires. Like sometimes it's like, okay, day, daylight kills all vampires. Crosses do stuff. Crosses don't do stuff. Silver does stuff. Silver doesn't do stuff. Holy water, not holy water. But the one thing that always remains in place about it is that vampires need blood. That is the biggest thing there, is that vampires absolutely need blood. And that's really the crux of this story. As uh, in this family, we have uh, the eldest sibling, David, and then we have uh, younger brothers, Wendell and Francis, and then younger sister, Darlene. And the thing is, is that David, Wendell, and Darlene seem to have it down pat. They know what they are, they know what they have to do, and they're not there to be nice to anybody. They have to keep themselves alive, they've lost their parents, and they have to look out for each other. They know what they are. Francis, though, is the one that's struggling the most because ultimately, uh, uh, what am I saying? Ultimately, Francis is the one trying to rebel against all of this. He sees everything that's happening with his family and how you know, they kidnap and they murder random people and they torture these random people. And he doesn't want to be a part of that because that's just not who he is. And seeing that internal struggle with Francis against the rest of his family, who some of them are even ready to kill him to keep the rest of them alive, was a really, really interesting dynamic because we've seen family units in vampire stories before. This would not be the first, and it's obviously not the last as this was made back in 2006, but it's interesting seeing this dynamic to where the it's not like they're they're just more intelligent than everybody they don't have better means than anybody like it's literally presented as a middle to low low class family that just happen to be vampires that are trying to get by in life and i really enjoyed the allegory because realistically the only thing that makes them different from a like from a real family is the fact that they're vampires Otherwise, the fact they have to keep moving and moving and moving because something bad happens in each town. They don't exactly have a lot of money. They're taking shitty jobs. They have bad relationships. All of that is normal human stuff. And I thought that was really cool that they decided to put a focus on that along with the horror elements of it. And we spend the movie really focusing on Francis. Francis is kind of our eyes as the viewer and him struggling against, you know, what he knows and what he doesn't want to be, basically. And you know that those things are going to end up intersecting at a certain point. And I'm not going to spoil anything about that. But that journey, Francis's journey, is a really interesting one. Uh, the downside to it, though, is that I think you can pretty much determine what's going to happen. The movie telegraphs it very early. Uh, then, unfortunately, Francis is not really going to be one that's capable of uh, overthrowing his entire family. So that kind of leaves really only one pathway for where this movie can end up going to and it's probably exactly what you're thinking and that was a bit of a letdown i i like the way that the scene played out where francis finally gives in to his urges and we go from there i really did enjoy the way that that scene played out in the aftermath with it because i really enjoyed the ending to this movie it's not like anything special by any means there but something about it felt like super like it, it felt super right with this world that this movie had created um so while I enjoyed the ending, 
I do wish we could have seen something differently go down just because you can kind of expect it, like I said, of where this movie's going to end up ultimately going. Um, and that's really it. All I have to say about it there, there there's not really a lot with this uh, uh, with this movie. It's only 86 minutes long, uh, you know, barely an hour and a half there. Uh, the acting in it's perfectly fine. I like the depiction of vampires. You know, we're not wondering about them turning into mist or or, uh, or uh, wolves or bats or anything like that. You know, there is no big conspiracy out there with vampire hunters or anything as well, too. Like, it's a very much a contained, uh, honestly, suburban story about vampires. Like, there's actually, um, it weirdly enough, like, gave me, uh, uh, gave me, like, a comparison of like fright night almost uh you know fright night being about just being in the suburbs and about this kid who thinks his next door neighbor is a vampire it's that but on a much smaller scale and without that human side to really balance it out but that's okay still a good movie regardless and those are our first four films of the after dark horror fest now i'm not ready to say what is best in show yet because i still have four other films to get through with this okay we still got to cover penny dreadful reincarnation unrest and wicked little things which we'll be talking about here in about a month or so but as of right now the abandon is going for best in show and i would say as of right now if i'm having to be honest the grave dancers is probably going to be the best cast performance that i've seen so far we'll see if that holds up we're going to come back to this in a few months or in a month and we're going to see what y'all think about them as well too so if you've seen these I want you to comment and tell me about your opinions on them, okay? Treat this like a film festival, right? Tell me about the acting. Tell me about the story. Tell me about the gore. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like about it. Y'all know how to comment. Hit us on the YouTube page. You can also hit us there on the Facebook page about this as well, too, which the link's right over there. But that's enough talking for me. We are watching these movies in the watch party tonight in our Discord. Uh, the link to the Discord is over here. But if you're having issues with that, just go to the Facebook group and you can find out how to join up from there as well, too. I hope you'll come and watch some scary movies with us tonight. So that is going to do it for us. Make sure you tune in next week because next week we got new horror on the bin. We are watching Ty West's X. We're going to review that. And we're watching Uma as well, too. Two recent big horror films uh, that had uh, just got released here on two streaming. We're going to talk about those. So be back next week to tune in for that. And, of course, make sure you're following me on social media. Let's have some fun horror conversation. That's it, y'all. My name is T. We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared.